Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast is dedicated today in loving memory and Lilui Nishmat, Avraham ben Farida, Alav Hashalom, sponsored by his grandson, Morris Franco. And this week, of course, of Cobra is dedicated in loving memory of Sammy Syed, Lilui Nishmat Shalomo ben Rivka, sponsored by his son, Isaac Syed. Rabotai, there's a very interesting uh, development in this parasha. We find this guy, Esav, who's such a wicked person. And yet, there's one mitzvah that Esav does, not just he does uh, as a mitzvah, but he does it so well that the Gemara tells us something astounding. Rabbi Shimon uh, uh, Bar Yochai writes that my whole life I did the mitzvah of, uh, of uh, uh, Kibbutz Avaim and I never reached the feet of Esav. Why? It says Esav, when he would ever, whenever he would uh, honor his parents, he's different than me. If I have to go give my father a bath, if I need to take my dad or my mother, you know, I need to clean them, I need to, to you know, take care of them and fix the house, I need to prepare them something to eat. He says, so I take off my suit and I put on, you know, uh, some garbage clothes. I come, so I'm not going to get my nice clothes dirty. I'm not going to get it smelly. I'm not going to get it covered in, uh, you know, in uh, bath water or whatever. But Esav was exactly the opposite. Esav had his big day chamudot, his very special clothing that he got from Nimrod, which came all the way from uh, Adam Arishon, the clothing that ya Yaakov took and wore when he went to uh, get the Be'achot from his father. Esav, he would save his clothes for what? For when he was serving his father. So I'm dressing down to do it, and Esav Harasha dressed up to do it. I never, Rabbi Tarfon, by the way, same thing. Gemara tells us that Rabbi Tarfon, he respected his mother so much that when one time they were walking and her, one of her sandals broke. So now she has her foot, she's going to step with her foot on the ground. Rabbi Tarfon, the big Tana, okay? The rabbi of Rabbi Akiva, okay? He gets down on his hands and knees and he's crawling in front of his mother. Each two steps she takes, he puts his hand down, so she steps with the bare, bare foot on his hand. And he crawls more, hand, foot, hand, foot, like that. Could you imagine the humiliation, the degradation of the great Sadiq Rabbi Tarfon, and all the Torah that he has? How could it be? And yet, the Gemara tells us Rabbi Tarfon says, he was less than Esav's Kibbutz Avaim. So this always bothered me. How is it possible that you have a person who's such a rasha, who's so bad, who's a murderer, who's a, you know, a, a rapist, who's a this, he's a ganav, he's a, you know, how could he have had such strong kibud avaim? How could it be? That was his thing. So Sam, you're saying that was his thing. I don't know if that's enough. That doesn't, I don't, that doesn't quiet my question for me. And not only that, by the way, we know that his, for his mother, he didn't have the same respect. He had kibbutz av, but not vaim. And yet, Esav, as it says, the reason why, Midrash tells us, his head was zocheh to be buried. They chopped off his head before he died. Okay, Chushim ben Dan chops off his head. The head of Esav rolls into the Ma'arata Machpelah. That's where it's supposed to be buried, with the greatest tzaddikim that ever lived, the pairs, Adam and Chava, Avraham and Sarah, ultimately Yitzchak and Rivka and Yaakov and Leah. Okay? But at the time, Esav's head is buried there. Why? Because whenever his father would ask him for something, he would use the expression, 
al-roshi. In Arabic, they say, how do we say here, Rafi? Al-arasi. How would you use that? Where would that, where would that expression, what does that expression mean when you say al-arasi? What does it mean? At any cost, even if the cost is my head. Unbelievable. So Esav's expression, al-roshi, was uh, something that was uh, would purified, so to speak, that gave him the zechut, that his head should be buried in the, in the ma'arata machpelah. I added one other element to this in my understanding, and that was as follows, okay? We know there's a very famous uh, idea that we say, mimini, Michael, umisimoli, Gabriel, milfanai, Uriel, umeachorai, Rafael, umeal roshi, shechinat kel, and above umeal roshi, and from above my head, that's where the shechinah rests. It's describing the fact that Am Yisrael, the Navi, is saying as well that he was surrounded by the guardian angels of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And that above his head was the Shekhinah. Esav understood that on some level, he, he couldn't worship God. He found it too difficult to be a true Evid of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But he understood Al-Roshi, that everything that he did for his father, Al-Roshi was in some way also a kavod, a respect that he was showing the Shekhinah. Okay? He was showing uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the great and the holy presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rabotai, it says by Avraham Avinu, that, uh, by, by Moshe, excuse me, many, many, many dec- uh, centuries later, that when Moshe is traveling through the desert, he visits, he, uh, he sees, he has to go up against the great Og Melech Habashan. And it says that Moshe was very afraid. Rashi says, why was Moshe afraid? Here's a guy, he's a, you know, uh, he's a big uh, uh, adversary, no problem, I get it. But Moshe Rabbeinu himself was the one that said, don't be afraid, don't be trembling, don't worry about all these great nations that are stronger than you. Hashem ilachem lachem, Hashem is going to fight for you. How come all of a sudden when it comes to Og, Moshe Rabbeinu was afraid? Answers Rashi, quotes the Gemara, he was afraid of the zechut that Og Melech Abashan had. What was the zechut? Og, we know, was the one that in the Pasuk it says, Vayavo Hapalit. He came and he told Avraham Avinu that Sarai Menu, uh, that, uh, what's it called, that Lot, excuse me, uh, was taken. So he did a favor for Avraham. The favor that he did from Avraham is considered Zechut. Rabotai, the Baalim Musar point out, why was Og coming to give this uh, message to, uh, to Avraham? Why, well, all of a sudden, it's Og's job to deliver the news? What's the story? You know, Og used to come to Avraham and say, you give us 22 minutes? What's the, you know, we'll, is that what it was? The answer is, it says, what he wanted was that Avraham would go to war against the four kings to go save Lot. Of course he's going to get killed. And then what will happen? Sarah Imenu will be available back on the market. And Og will marry the beautiful, the illustrious, the noble princess Sarah Imenu. So his motives were rotten. And yet, Moshe Rabbeinu, hundreds of years later, is still worried that that zechut is enough that when Moshe Rabbeinu goes to battle with him, he's going to lose because of that zechut. Yes. Now, that's very difficult to understand. 
The Gemara tells us about a certain rabbi whose name was Rabbi Yohanan, who was a tremendous, tremendous tzaddik, tremendous tamin chacham. He has spent his whole life Torah, Ma'asim Tovim, to the point he got to such a level that he was able to achieve Tehiyat Ametim. That's what it says about him. He could bring someone back with his prayers from the dead. Crazy. He get, asks and prays to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to let him know in whose section is he sitting in Gan Eden. See, I remember when I first learned this Gemara, I was like, Shema Yisrael. You went, is in sections? It's like Yankee Stadium? You're in D, D, D-126, right? Bifledge. You know, you work your whole life to get to Gan Eden, then you sit next to some annoying guy for eternity. Shema Yisrael, who's always asking for hot dogs. I don't know, I was nervous. So the Gemara says he wanted to know in whose mechitza, who's sitting with me, who's in my section, who am I near? Minashamayim, they revealed to him that it was Nanas Hakatzvi, that there was a certain butcher in town. It's a very short uh, man, like a midget almost, okay? The midget butcher, that's the one that you sit in his. So he's thinking, what, I'm, I'm the, after everything, I'm sitting next to a butcher? What, it was his, you know, <laughs> was his short ribs, like they say, his short ribs were heaven? That's how he got there? What's the... He goes to follow the guy around. Could you believe this story? He sees that every second that there's no customers, Hada, looks right, left down the street, shuts the store, he goes running. So store, he goes running. He opens up again, because she, there's more another customer, he opens the store. The second no, no customer, shuts the store again. He's wondering, what's the guy doing? He sees this butcher every single second of the day that he didn't have to be working, he ran and was taking care of his elderly parents. Rabbi Yochanan says, after he sees this, Baruch Hashem, that I merited, I merited to be in the same mechitza as him. Our rabbis tell us, the pasuk says about a person who honors their parents, in order that you should have lengthy days, not only is it a sigula for long life in this world, but it's a sigula for long life in the next world. In other words, a beautiful olam haba. There was once a man who came to the Hafez Chaim, to the Chazon Ish, I think, and he said to him, Rabbi, you know, I know I'm supposed to honor my parents. He says, Bezor, I have not know of any time. But I'm learning, I'm working, I'm taking care of my kids. Where do I have time in my day to take care of, uh, of my parents? The Rabbi smiles, he says, that's why it says, Laman Yarichun Yamecha. Take care of your parents. Don't worry. You worry that you're losing parts of your life. Hashem will make it up to you by letting you live very long. Okay? So here we find Esav, of all the mitzvot in the Torah, the one that speaks to him most is honoring his father. It's, he literally shows kavod to the Shekhinah al-Roshi by serving his father. That's maybe why also Yaakov was nervous to go against him for the Berachah, just like it's so, we saw by Moshe, he was afraid to go up against Oak because of the zechut that he had, the zechut of Kibbutah Vahem. Rabotai, <coughs> they say about the, uh, about the uh, Chazon Ish when he was young, when he was a young boy, seven years old. So his mother sees everyone's eating at the table, and she notices Hadad sitting there like uh, daydreaming. So she tells him, how come you're not eating? So the kid, very shy, he says to his mother, he says, I, I, didn't get, I don't have a fork. Nobody gave me a fork. Seven years old. Anyway, the, the mother gets up. She looks at the Chazon Ish in front of him. Not only did they forget a, a fork, they didn't give him any food. But even at the age of seven, he didn't want his mother to feel bad that she didn't give him food. So how did he say the reason why he said, because I didn't get a fork. Unbelievable. Look at that sensitivity. 
There's a rabbi whose name is Rabbi Zlivansky, okay? He got sick, unfortunately, with a very sick, serious disease that caused him to lose a tremendous amount of weight. Um, maybe it was Crohn's or colitis, okay? He went from a, to a stick. Whenever he would visit his parents, Rabotai, he would put on two sets of clothing. So it would look like he was fuller, so his, not, his parents would not have tzara, where they wouldn't look at him and feel, look how thin you look. Who's, you're not eating, you're not taking care of yourself. Look at the great Gidolim, what they did. But Rabotai, what I learned from Esav, and it's a gift from God that Esav was so good at it, it teaches us, even if a person's not such a big tzaddik, they still have the opportunity to be able to give kavod to their parents. But Rabotai, the idea of giving kavod to your parents, it's multifaceted. One way of doing kavod for your parents is like it says, go get me something to eat. Like Yitzhak tells Esav, go hunt for me, bring me back dinner. You know, give me something that I enjoy. The way I love him. That's one way of doing it. But Rabotai, it's not always that that's the only way to do it. You know, one of the reasons why I considered moving back here so strongly is because I knew that for my parents, that was very important. That I should be back here in America, be at the family Semachot. I knew as well that, that being a rabbi, taking a job like this in the community over here would make my father very happy and make him very proud. I didn't give him any food to eat. But perhaps much more than giving him a meal was the fact that you brought such hana'ah to your parent. Rabutai, that's a job of each and every person. And one of the beautiful things about that idea that giving hana'ah to your parents, that's kavod, we agree, that's kavod, right? It's a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous chidushtis. And the reason why it's so important is because whereas you could give someone to eat and take care of them and give them a bath if they're in this world, you could give them hana'ah and uh, uh, enjoyment and nachat by your actions even when they're in the next world. That nachat is something which is like we call, you know, some languages are international, some languages are intergalactal. They're inter-universal. Uh, uh, they operate, they speak the language both of olam hazeh and olam haba. Rabotai, if a person uh, has a parent that has passed away, there's something that they could do for them each and every day, that they could do, that they could do, use or uh, refine one of the midot that, they, that that person does and bring that into uh, their daily life or their weekly life or whatever. And they know as well that that's something that's very powerful and brings tremendous nachat to them as well. So I'll leave you with this last question. So how was it indeed that Esav, someone who poo-pooed everything else, was able to do this mitzvah specifically? How was it? I think there's something remarkable about this. We talked yesterday about the fact that Esav Asui comes from a, a nature where everything that he did was without any boundaries. He exercised zero self-control. Rabotai, listen to this, listen to this. Of the two of his parents, Yitzchak represented something that Esav could not find even a drop of in himself. So the man of no self-control looked at Yitzchak, who was the pinnacle of Givurah, the pillar of self-control, and he had the utmost respect for him. Sometimes the way a person finds respect and is able to respect their parents in a proper way 
is by recognizing something about them, some element of their personality or gifts that they gave or ways that they were, which you don't have or maybe people today don't have. A big part of the job of Kibbut Ava'em is not just what you do for your parents, but in coming to see them in a way where you can't help but give and show them respect and nachat. When you think about things that they did, and I always say this in many of the classes, whenever I'm mentioning my father, to think about the idea of at 17 running away for religious freedom, to be able to do more, to be able to risk your life for that. My mother, the same, grew up in South Bend, Indiana, same thing, to decide at such a young age without anyone in her life making her do it. You know, her family around her wasn't religious. You know, for her to decide and to have the strength of character to stand up and say, if this is right, this is what I'm going to chase, and to do that by herself, and eventually to go to Israel for that. It's a remarkable thing. When a person sees that in their parents, or they find something in their parents, let's say you're 100 miles an hour, look at your parents and see how they're patient. You know, you're running out of shul, look at how your father loves, love used to, or loved to say the Mizmorim in the Beit HaKneset. You know, you're a person who likes to get things done, your father had the ability to sit and hacky with someone and make them feel good for three hours. You see, you find things in them that perhaps stick out that are different to you. Most of the time, the things that we respect about others are things that we don't have in ourselves because we can't fathom that thing. I think as well, uh, that ex explained what happened with Esav, um, what's it called, where he found this disparity between him and his father and that caused even a hardened rasha to have uh, this kind of level of respect for his dad. May we each be zocheh to fulfill this unbelievable mitzvah, the mitzvah of kibbud avaim to the highest degree, whether our parents are with us in this world, whether they are in the next, the mitzvah, the mitzvot that we do of bringing them nachat and hana'ah, fulfill this, the dictum of kabed avichavet imecha, and be'ezrat Hashem, through that we should be zocheh, la'arichut yamim v'shanim, ba'zeh u'baba, be'ezrat Hashem, baruch Adonai le'olam, amen ve'amen. Rabbi Chanan